unapologetic self-acceptance. This is another thing that helped me embrace my humanity. I'm not saying I'm, I'm exempt from judgment. It slips in here every now and then. I'm so big on letting people live their life because they nobody knows what's best for us but us. And how I was able to do that was, can I see what quote unquote is triggering? Can I see that in me? Welcome to the New Age Sage Podcast, where you come to free your mind from all the things that keep you in suffering. Today's guest is Samson Adesanya. We get deep into the power of the breath and how to use it to heal yourself. I really believe you will love this episode. Please don't forget to like and subscribe. Thank you very much. Samson, welcome on the show. Thanks for having me, Lucas. So I'm familiar that you're an expert on, on breathing and, and breath. What got you started on that journey? What was the moment where you realized, holy shit, breath is like the foundation right. of everything? Like, what, what got you going on that journey? Yeah, um, I appreciate the compliment. I still consider myself a student, <laughs> right? Um, just through practice, I've been able to, you know, definitely build my experience. But um, I would say it was it was my journey of personally, like knowing myself, self mastery. Um, connecting with more of who I am. So I was already on the on that path for quite some time. Um, attending seminars, reading books. I was already working on my physicality, uh, you know, health-wise, fitness-wise, nutrition-wise. And, uh, you know, I would get results. Um, I'd even hire coaches and mentors and things would be great. And I'd always noticed that it always felt like something was was missing. Like for instance, I would I'd begin a path of let's say I'd make a new decision. And I'd start to build some consistency over time. Um, I'd find a way to almost disrupt or destroy the progress of that. So that kept that kept happening over time. And then I would notice subtle moments of, you know, passive aggressiveness or um moments where I would, you know, kind of not be okay, but then act like I was okay. It's like this idea of holding it together, even amongst doing quote unquote, all the things I was doing. So I get invited to eight years ago, I get invited to a breathwork session by a good friend. And just like you, you mentioned just being curious and wanting to know about ourselves. I was, I'm very curious by nature. So I was open. I was a yes. And, um, I remember going, was open, trusted, and I remember at the end of the hour session, if you will, everybody else had already come up their experience, and I come up gasping for air, and I literally said, like, what the fuck was that? I look at the person who invited me, because for me, I had not, I had not felt or experienced myself in that way up until that point. Um, and by felt, I realized that there were emotions that I was I was hiding from, um, like visions that I saw, um, you know, ways that I was expressing myself that I would have, you know, yet hindered prior to that. So it was an introduction to myself in a way that I didn't know, you know, quote unquote, existed. But for me, what even lit up my curiosity even more was the fact that I was able to do it with my own breath. <clears throat> and that was, you know, it was very interesting to me. It's like this very, this, this thing, this tool, if you will, this, this, this asset that's a, naturally a part of me that I'm, 
you know, up until that point was very unattentive to was the very thing that connected me to myself in a way that I hadn't experienced prior. So um, that led me down this path of, again, okay, cool. <clears throat> Maybe this can help me um, grow. Maybe this can help me, you know, support the journey I was on. And it was incredible, like some of the things I, I was able to find, um, being able to incorporate it in, as a personal practice and really feel the the, the massive difference, um, the effects of it. Yeah, why do you think that is? Why do you think that beneath the breath yeah. hides the truth? Like if you do a, you know, a somatic breathwork experience, in my experience, I always realize that mm. I'm just a scared kid. You know, I, I come back to that mm. root of being a scared kid. Like, mm. Holy shit, I've been hiding all these fearful emotions, all this trauma. Mm. Why does the breath hold that power of uncovering all the masks? Yeah. So because it's ability to really get us present. Um, so, you know, one thing that I've learned is we all have uh, egos and, and our egos are essentially um, what support us and what help us create um, our sense of self, our identity in the world, if you will, all right? But the, the, the issue with that is it's most of the time it isn't connected to who we truly are. There's this false sense of self. And the ego is also built um, and made for survival. So if that is the original intention of the ego, its job is to ensure that and create massive conditions to support survival. Well, in doing that, it also it becomes this machine of resistance that denies reality. <clears throat> so here we are carrying this identity or this sense of self that we think is us. That's only been a culmination over time of just stack moments of denied realities. <clears throat> so when we do, you don't even need a deep breath, but if you just take a moment to breathe and be like literally almost slow down time, if you will, and get present, why people have these experiences is because of all the moments they weren't present, all the moments they didn't allow themselves to be in the moment. So the breath ultimately like gets us out of our head literally and gets us into our body to be able to not just feel, but experience a lot of these things that we've unconsciously probably repressed. Yeah, I hear you. I see the ego as kind of like a protective barrier between yeah. you and the present moment, right? It's like this you have this subjective storyline always being written so you don't have to feel what the present moment's giving you. Yep. And we're just stuck in this robotic thing. How do you manage that now? Like when you see, because we're all human, right? You're going to have that Absolutely. part of you coming up. Absolutely. On an everyday second-to-second basis, Absolutely. how are you managing that part of yourself, the resistant voice that's trying to analyze everything yeah. in front of you? That doesn't go away. And if the thing is, I think that's, a, that's, a, that's an amazing question because there's also this idea that, okay, if I do this, quote-unquote, breath or if i do this one thing then i'll be able to not have to deal with that no for me i understand the ego's position as a as a as a role to support us um, how i manage it now or how i work with it now is as much as possible taking the rights or the steering wheel away from it and how i do that is can i learn as many moments as possible to accept the consistent now moment mm -hmm. And it's like, it's something as simple as, you know, I'll take a breath and it's like, let's say I'm going through a situation. And like you mentioned, there's this storyline, but this storyline, the ego would do everything in its power to confirm that. So for, let's say my storyline was, um, you know, I wasn't enough. 
<clears throat> so my ego was also living a life of seeking to prove that. So I would invite experiences in my life to prove that very storyline. Yeah. Now, let's say something happened where that wasn't the case and I, I was able to consciously interrupt it and actually choose something different. That's for me, it's, it's learning how to like slow down time enough so I could be present to make a different choice that's outside the storyline that my ego wants, wants me to keep. So it's an ongoing process that doesn't stop, but I think for me, it's just learning how I can accept and be present with every single moment. How do you take that new road? Because it's so hard, right? Because everything in your body and mm -hmm. mind wants to go back to what's familiar in the comfort, comfortable yep. place. And it's so constant. You can even come back down to how I react to traffic. It's, mm -hmm. it's so constant. How do you constantly choose that new path? Yeah, um, by not denying the old one. Mm -hmm. And I say that because I've learned that while, for instance, I want to make a different choice, I used to be the one condemning the old one. And again, we're talking about the world of resistance. If I'm eliciting to my body that this is wrong, it's going to support me through creating resistance to make sure that, you know, like I don't quote unquote hurt myself or, you know, invite a threat in. So for me, it's by not de um, denying the old one, but at the same time, um, it's practice. You know, what's familiar didn't just end up there. It was familiar because I practiced it either consciously or unconsciously to where it became a behavior or became a habit or became weaved into who I am. So it's just like I made a choice. I get to make a different choice, but also ensure that I can create elements around what can support the continuation and integration of that choice. What, what, when I'm in that moment of like, I recognize mm -hmm. past stories coming up, I'm always like, how much of this is something I'm not feeling? Mm. Like a resistance to a past emotion I don't want to feel? Mm. Or how much of it just like an addictive thinking pattern? Mm. So how do you make that differentiation? When are you like, ooh, maybe I should feel in this moment this is good. from that past? Or when is it just like a robotic script that I have to start changing? So I once heard that we don't have problems. We have emotions we don't want to feel. Yeah. And uh, I'll give to I'll give actually one explanation that can kind of speak to all of it, and I think it's more it's connected to our biology. It's connected to how we're designed. So um, you're familiar with you know nervous system, right? Um, well, we have the vagus nerve, which is the principal component of the parasympathetic nervous system, which is our rest and digest function. Well, eighty percent of that nerve, which is a mixed nerve, it, are something called afferent fibers. What are afferent fibers? Those are sensory fibers. So 80% of those fibers, which are afferent, literally is information carried from the body to the brain. So it's 80% of information that we collect, that we receive, that we give, that we're that we're that we're we're gaining through interacting with our environment, through how we relate to it, is coming from our body. That's that's four times the signals from the body to the brain than the brain to the body. So this is already telling us that we're more feeling than thinking. Like 80%, it's already saying that. And, you know, and it's not just obviously emotion, but it's it's our sensory experience. You know, maybe it's the, when you're when you're feeling the story come up, it's like, can I, can I really tune into like what's going on in my in my body? And then if there's a feeling, can I allow myself to feel it? And obviously an emotion, if it's there, but 80% of that. So again, how I like to see that, it's 
common sense is like, okay, well, we're more feeling than thinking. And if that's the case, how much can I honor my true nature rather than defaulting to what I'm so used to, yeah. right, by thinking? Yeah. How did, how did you start learning about the wisdom of the body? Because right, there's the intellect, which is like our ability to analyze situations mm -hmm. and come up with creative solutions. But there's also the wisdom of the body, which, even, which is even more. Like when I'm purely present yep. and away from the ego is thinking, I, I get everything I need to know. But then the brain is also like, the minute you pass that, it starts thinking it, it knows everything. So how did you start discovering that wisdom of the body? And how did you learn to actually prioritize it over the intellect? Honestly, just like you mentioned, time and time and time and, and connection. And I, I think it's a, I think it's an ongoing process that is not just a, that's not a one-time deal because I also think of as human beings, you know, we're whole. So that means we, we have the capacity for all of it. We have, we have an emotional range that can be very deep and dark, but also high and light. Mm -hmm. And for me, I had to learn over time how to dance between all of it. So I learned about the wisdom of the body, obviously like through education and stuff, but through my own experience as well of like really like slowing down as much as I can, like legit prioritizing time where I get to be present with myself. And it's not just sitting, but it's also, for instance, when I'm exercising and training, I'm listening too. I'm also perceiving what's happening as I'm doing these movements. Or for instance, in this conversation, I'm very present to the fact that okay, there's really nothing like happening. I, I feel I feel calm. I feel like we're having really good dialogue. So it's it's practice. And the more I do that, I like to think that it's it's aware that I'm listening. And the more that it knows that I'm listening, it'll speak more, right? Um, that's one thing that I learned for sure is that <clears throat> most people that I've worked with, when they when they would come to me, they don't have even the awareness to be able to know what's going on because they've been so cut off. Mm -hmm. So just over time, just really, if you will, defrosting, yeah. right? Um, um, the connection to my body and then like, yeah, just listening. What was the feeling <clears throat> you were most re resistant to on your path? Where is where you were the shadow where you really didn't <clears throat> want to go? <clears> hmm. <throat> um, I think anger was one of them. Why? Because I, I denied my anger. Growing up in a house, so my parents separated when I was four. <clears throat> and I internalized that as my dad leaving me. Mm -hmm. So when he left, I remember I was sitting on a dining room table eating warm, warm frosted flakes and Obviously, I heard the ruckus going on and my, my dad was getting ready to leave. And I remember saying these last words to him. If you leave, I'm going to hate you. Mm -hmm. But what does a four-year-old know about hate? I think for me, that was like a... It was a way to try to keep him. It was a way to try to make him stay. It was like I threatened him so he can stay. Yeah. <clears throat> so the fact that he still left... Um. I realized like, oh shit, I'm the reason he left. So I internalized that and it's 
kids were very egocentric. So I made that mean everything about me. So over time, there was there was the resentment towards him, but also the guilt from that. I just think moments stacked over time, especially in a household where I had to be a certain way, which was a result in many cases having my boundaries violated. Um, I didn't really get to express that because <clears throat> one, I didn't have the space to. Two, I don't think I really ever felt safe doing it. Three, I was more at the receiving end of it. Yep. So I, I pushed it away. Um, and four, I had to grow up fast. So I didn't I couldn't afford to be angry because I was in a position where I had to like support and taking care of my family. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, as I began to really dive deep in my journey, I realized that was a, an emotion that I had stuffed away. Well, what was the effect of internalizing all that um, for so long? Yeah. And I, I like to say there's two ways you can either um, result to self-destructive behaviors or outwardly destructive behaviors. For me, which is very self-deprecating. So I'm talking about debilitating self-doubt, um, probably anxiety that I didn't know was anxiety at the time, um, depression for sure. Mm -hmm. And yeah, doubt was just very heavy. So I, I could not allow myself to believe myself because how, my, how I saw myself was so low. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> that obviously affected my experience. And um, yeah. Yeah, and the key in breaking away from that, I'm assuming, was releasing a lot of the anger somatically. Like yeah. Feeling it or being seen feeling it. Because for me, like, the problem I have with this current world we live in is that for men or most people who are struggling with, with something, it's just straight to, you know, changing their thoughts or putting in new thoughts or giving medication. Yeah. And what it's not doing, going back to the body, is that it's not addressing the real issue, the real issue, which is like resistant stuff. So was the journey away from that for you? Like, talk about how you release yeah. some of that anger and how, yeah. that, and how that led to the identity you have now, which is healthy. Right. Um, it happened over time, man. Like I said, you know, um, on the math, on the mat, when it came to breath, um, you know, exploring with plant medicine. Um, also, honestly, like I, I don't shy away from being a student. So always having a support system, mm -hmm. I think. But of all that, right, the breath, plant medicine, I think the most important thing for me was learning how to integrate it into my life. And the second part to that is also the willingness and courage to be seen in the integration of it. I think for me, that's what truly weaves it into your into your being is my, it was my ability to witness it without judgment. What do you mean being seen for? Okay. What does that look like? What does that look like for you? Yeah. So one, I had to be able to see that it was okay to feel it. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't get to that point yet because there were no there were no models in my life that actually made it okay to know that anger is cool to express if it's healthy. Yeah. So this looked like being in, you know, groups with other men who, you know, it was it was very much set up to elicit, um, obviously, I would say organically, um, an anger response. And to be able to do that and for a part of me, for a part of my, myself, my nervous system, but also like the little kid in me, yeah. right? to know that, oh, I'm around these other men that aren't judging my anger, who aren't afraid of my anger. Because I can also say, I've, I remember moments where my anger um, caused <laughs> a 
like hurt, mm-hmm. you know, when I would get into like certain fights and stuff and, you know, or play sports, I remember I would like, honestly, in some cases, in some cases, almost channel that. But I noticed in like some, like other people were hurt. So, you know, how I would deal with it, I just pulled back. So that affected my own expression naturally and it affected the relationship to my power. But to have, you know, a group of men um, honor me in a way of not judging it and also see them in it was, for me, that was one of the biggest things. So by witnessing, I think that's, as human beings, I think that is one of the most important things that we crave is to be seen, but not just for the parts that we've deemed acceptable for, but for the other parts too, to be seen fully. Yeah, for me, it just, what I notice it does is it breaks shame. Is that what's presented? That's exactly what it does. Yeah, it's like what causes all the the trauma or like the yeah. not so enjoyable moments is the resistance to accepting it as it is. Exactly. In those moments, you kind of force it to be like, oh, this is really what it is and it's and it's okay. Exactly. They so help you a lot, like kind of getting rid of that shame. Exactly. That's, I mean, I think shame is one of, if not the, one of the lowest emotions we can experience. Vibrationally. Yeah, yeah, it's very low um, because it's also connected to <clears throat> our sense of belonging. And that's something else that we need as humans. We want to belong, right? So it's like when I'm holding this shame about myself, when I'm holding this shame about like who I think I am, right? It's also affecting my sense of belonging. So as I was really honestly holding a lot of this repressed energy uh, in myself, it also simultaneously isolated me, right? So to be able to like come out of that. And when I say come out of that, and it's so interesting because I've experienced personally and I can I can see that we could be in a room full of people but still feel isolated. Of course, yeah. So when I say coming out of that, it's like literally coming out of that, even if I'm by myself, I feel that I can I can be okay in my aloneness versus feeling isolated or lonely. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's helped me really work through layers of shame for sure. How do you do that now? How do you feel comfortable and alone? Let's make that distinction. Yeah. What's like the beauty of being alone versus loneliness and how can we get to that space and like to be alone versus lonely? Yeah, um, I could definitely speak to the aloneness. I, I resisted, <laughs> I resisted aloneness for a while um, because of what was connected to like this wounding that was connected to um, this fear of abandonment. Because I, I, as I shared with, you know, our, our relation to my father, so, um, what came of that, I actually remember I was in I was in the jungle last June. And one of the biggest moments from that was I remember um, my group facilitator, we woke up one morning, we were talking, and it was one of the really it's one of the big nights for me that was really difficult. So I came up, we were talking, and I remember sharing as like you know, I've worked through years of, you know, letting go. <laughs> I say that because there's there's many levels to it, but letting go of this resentment and at one point hate towards my father. And um, we were sharing about that because there was a lot around the the uh, the lineage of my father's side, like the paternal side. So mm-hmm. myself, my father, my grandfather, my great-grandfather. So we, that was the theme. And I remember him asking me, he was like, what he said in committing to resenting your father 
what if you also resented Father God? Mm-hmm. And I remember literally um, bursting in tears because for the longest in this work, I've been desperately seeking to connect almost in my own way. I was trying to willfully connect, um, like forcing connection. And as I know now, there's no need to force connection because it's always there. It's just what is in the way of me connecting to what I like to call God or source, whatever it is for anybody. So my inability to connect intensified my fear of being alone. Because the reality is I learned and we're never alone because that that energy is always there. And that's what I came to truly feel. That's what I came to truly be with. I realized a a lot of the things that were hindering, not just the connection to myself, a lot of these things I was repressing was also hindering the connection to this greater energy, which was affecting my ability to not be able to be with myself. It's such an interesting dance because, you know, after like a long meditation, be the space from my, my I feel like I'm with my soul, right? Yep. I feel like some presence is with me. Yep. I believe I have each of us have a team of whatever yep. people, yep. ancestors yep. guiding us. Facts. So I'll be that being like, oh, ancestors I, are here right yeah, now, bro. <laughs> I, I hear you. Oh, I hear you talking. It's all yep. fucked. I'm, I'm, you're always with me. Yeah. But then away from that and stress, mm-hmm. the ego then comes up and it and it thinks of like, I need connection through this like perfect snapshot of what it thinks yep. life should be of like being the life of a party or having you know girls or guys romantically running after yeah. you so it's like how can you make th- how can you successfully have that dance between both where yeah. you can pull back to the healthier side once the ego wants a certain thing yeah what does that dance look like for you and how have you managed to to be at peace with it for me it was understanding just the role of like the things the inner workings so truly understanding that so i i like to believe that we don't have anything that we don't need Right. We wouldn't be, you know, given we wouldn't be built with we wouldn't be designed. We wouldn't be created with any aspect of our experience. Right. Emotional, physical, mental or spiritual that that doesn't have a purpose. Um, I've always I've always had that perspective. It's it's, it's never been black or white for me. I've always kind of knew, known there was some gray area or middle ground, yeah. even though my, like society didn't reflect that back to me. So I always thought I was crazy. So there's. I've been able to always come back to this level place like, okay, cool. I have this for a reason. I may be not using it effectively. And this is in relation to the ego. So when I knew this is its role and it's actually supporting me in helping me survive, the question became, okay, what is it protecting me from? And I really started to unpack that. I was like, all right, cool. Well, if that's the case, can I employ it for a different job that's actually going to support me? So How I'm able to dance between both is knowing that, and this is again a working progress because I feel like there are different levels to everything, is knowing that I don't need to create any circumstances or conditions within my system or outside of me to feel complete. Is at any moment that I can, you know, close my eyes or go for a walk or take a breath or, you know, look at my family or dance or smile or talk to people to know that with or without that, there's something inside of me that that is always reminding me of my completeness. Yeah. And that's that's how I dance. Yeah. That. And are you under the impression mm-hmm. the more you get in touch with and live from that completeness, the more you actually 
attractive things that have served you anyway? <clears throat> this That's is been your your experience. It's 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 such a simple concept, but it's it's so, in my opinion, is one of the most difficult things to to really stay in. Um, that's why my practice constantly right now, and it's been an ongoing practice for years, is just learning how to like really, really dance and work with acceptance, like every single moment, like without seeking to jump to um, intellectualizing it or rationalizing it or gamifying it or even spiritualizing it because it's already spiritual. How can I just accept? As a man, how is that for us? I think with men, it's a little harder because I think we're mm -hmm. conditioned to work and produce and always be an intellect and be yeah. analyzing everything. Yeah. So as a man, how can you, since you go here, how do you hmm. cultivate masculinity while also receiving from that feminine space a little bit? Like, how is that, hmm. how can one do that? I think the biggest thing too is to undo the conditioning and programming that we're not human beings as men. I think that's the first and foremost thing. It's like, okay, if I'm a human being, well, let me let me come from that lens first. I'm not exempt from feeling. So if I'm not exempt from feeling because I'm a human being, if I'm not exempt from being 80% feeling or, you know, or or having emotions, then why is it that I'm denying that? And somewhere along the lines, I think there, there are reasons to all of it. Um, in many different cultures, you, you couldn't because it could have cost you your life if you took the time to feel. Mm -hmm. um, in certain households or upbringings, you couldn't because it could have cost you your life because yeah. you take the time to feel. So the first thing is I honor that I'm a human being, but at the same time, I also honor my differences um, as a man. And yes, um, I can say that I'm more inclined to be logical, but only for when the situation calls for it. So the biggest thing that you know I've practiced and learned is, is, is a moment-to-moment -moment thing, is can I honor myself in a way where this situation is calling for me to be more logical, to be more practical when I need to be? And if it's not, can I result to the other side? And I think that's the thing. It's uh, I forgot who said it, but um, it was a mentor that said, trying to live a one-sided life in a two-sided world is a source of all suffering. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's just how, how much can I honor all parts of me? Because one, I'm a human being first. Um, so yeah. Yeah, as a, as a man for me, I kind of used, so growing up, I, it was, I grew up privileged financially, but I didn't have the, the love I needed as a kid. So yeah. for me, it was a lot of abandonment. I had, I had severe uh, asthma, so I was like mm. almost choking to death every night. So for me, what manifested is like my, what I perceive to be now, like higher intelligence isn't higher intelligence to me. It was just this developed habit of going to the head all the time to mm. not feel. I couldn't, it was so terrorizing for me to feel yeah. as a kid that I just... Yep ended up being up here and that ended up being me as a smart person. So I don't see it as me being smart, just like this developed habit of, of, of being in the head. And I, and I use that as an excuse to be like a, like an alpha man where yeah. I was like, I, I was like, I didn't know it at the time I was unconscious, yeah. but I was like, Oh, I don't have to feel. I use that ability to not feel to then be a so-called tough guy. Yeah. And then my journey to here now was undoing that and being like, I, I it was just sold a lie that, bro. Yeah. I mean, I think there's there's nothing that, let me not say nothing. My relationship to really like being, having the emotional intellect, as much as that sounds as an oxymoron, um, but the, the emotional agility and range has helped me be more grounded. Because I think the result 
to default to the head is also again it's it's a form of resistance yeah. it's a it's a defense mechanism but then that's taking up energy so like the question is and this is actually just came through so i'm gonna like are you really being a man if you are afraid of your emotions yeah it's a big, it's a big one yeah that's what i had to realize you know yeah and it's like again there's this there's this there's this bravado that i'm a man because i can do all these tough things yeah but one of the hardest things for us men and they have studies to prove it <laughs> there's so many studies but i think they did a study on like a group of men where they noticed that 67 percent of these group of men would rather get electrocuted than feel their emotions I, or sit with themselves. I, I, I use that study all the time in my articles. Yeah. It was something like, it was this where you either can accept, I don't know if the same like one. Like electroshock. Yeah, it was electroshock. Either you yeah. fit, sit here for 10 minutes and just do nothing or you get an electric shock. And I think it was two thirds yeah. chose electric shock. Yep. Which is crazy. <laughs> and here's the thing too. I, I read something and again, I don't know how relevant it is and there it could be, but yeah. So it was saying that little boys have slightly larger amygdalas than than little girls. Um, what that means is we have, we feel fear and sadness greater, not better than or more than, it's, it's just more intensely than little girls. But you got to think of if we live in a society where that isn't the status quo or that isn't the normal where men are allowed to actually express these things, um, Imagine that little boy is told to stop being a little girl. Yeah. And he starts to shell that off. We see it. I mean, we see it today. The highest rate of suicides. We see it. A lot of the issues um, uh, that we're dealing with is also comes from like men, like fatherless homes. There's a lot of issues with men. And I think a lot of it stems from this part of ourselves that we've repressed. But ultimately, because there isn't, it's not, hmm, it's not the thing to do. Yeah, what I, what I notice is that in my head or men's mind, it's like if we have to feel, we think of ourselves like right. we have to go into a hole and like right. be in a dark room and it be makes a bitch and be a victim. But what I realize is that you can actually feel while you do. Yes. Like you can be in a space. For example, I, I, when, I, when I've lost people I love or lost my, a parent, I realized yes. it was a tough lesson. It was like, yeah, it's okay for a day or two when it's really intense. Just be with it. But you can, as a man or anyone, be with the pain and be with an open heart, a heart that's broken open, while you're doing the things you have to do. In that's life. what it is. And, it's, and why why are we so resistant to that? It's like we can't do one or the other. One or the other. Either we're a victim, right, or we deny or we repress. Well, you also again, you just. I think there are many many answers to this, and neither one is right or wrong. And I even think men not wanting to feel is not wrong. Especially if they weren't, they weren't taught how to. They didn't have models of it. Um, the environments they grew up in didn't promote it. You know, so I think that's it right there. And again, our egos, out of pleasure or pain, it's going to seek pleasure first. Last thing it wants to do is feel pain. Um, so we we can do that in ways that have costs. But I think that's also one of the reasons like, well, no, this is too painful to, for me. So I'm I'm going to compensate in every way, shape or form to run away from this pain. Now, we can also say in the same sentence that uh, I know men that can take a gunshot wound and they'll rather do that than feel with it. It just goes to show you how big of a deal this is. But not only that, 
what I realized, like you asked, was the cost I was paying in my own life. Mm -hmm. And there's a cost that we pay that's a result of not being able to be with with, with essentially like what's dark, what's unconscious. Even on, on a health level. Very much so. Like I I did a, one of those scans where it tells you like your, your life, expectancy, life expectancy in your age. For me, it was like you're under so much stress. You basically are 20 years older than you are internally. Bro. Now when, it, when I realized that, I was like, and I realized that I had nothing to do with <laughs> anything but just like repressed trauma and health. My gut score was like 20 out of 100. And for me, it was just like, at that moment, I was like, it wasn't just a mental thing where it was like, Oh, you know, I'll be a little fucked up. I'll get angry at people. And I was like, no, I could die 20 to 30 years earlier because I'm not I'm not dealing with this this shit in my system on a cellular level. I've watched it. I mean, I've, I've watched, yeah, I've watched people stress themselves to literally like, like, like debilitating disease and sickness. It's, it's wild because it's, it's also connected to our energetic resources. I like to think of it of a river. It's like a river that's flowing. It's like a river that it's flowing is also can also generate power but the moment you stop that flow of the river now you it's still and as you know still water non-moving water eventually becomes an environment for bacteria growth non-moving emotions that are meant to come in and vibrate out that are stopped and hindered become an environment for you know people the list goes on i kind of figured out my gut and people would tell me what do I eat? What do I do all this stuff? I was like, what are you not feeling? Right. Like, what can your stomach not process right now? What are you mm. holding on to? Like, the minute... What, what are you not digesting? Yeah, like, of course, I eat healthy. I, I, I'm i very strict <clears throat> about that, but it's not about that mostly. No. It's that for me, it was like, nothing fucking changed until I literally let go of what I couldn't feel. And then everything started changing yeah, man. Health, on, on a health level. And people don't talk about it at all. You know, in the, in the medical system, has it completely wrong. In my eyes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, we're getting there. This is why, I mean, we're in the age of where a lot of these things are coming out. And I mean, what's also coming out is the the relationship to our emotions, unprocessed emotions um, that's, that's very parallel to what we're experiencing in our physiology. It's like they go hand in hand. Again, back to the fact that we're 80% sensory feeling and emotional beings. So it's like, if we're not dealing with that at the core, which is the foundational principle of who we are, it's like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why do you think that is? On like that's on a deeper level. Why do you <laughs> think we're given this this system, like energetically, universally, spiritually? Like, yeah. Why did we come here to just feel feel it all? Do you ever think about that? Like, yeah. Like, why did we come here? To, why did why do we get the shit? Like, why do we come here feeling all this like heavy stuff all the time? Like, why are we eighty percent feelings? Well, I don't think, and I want to I want to be very clear about this, like because sometimes when we think about feeling, we think it's only heavy. No, this is also like in relation to like the joy and the 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 love and the acceptance and the you know the courage, like these these as well. So you have to feel the other side to get there too. Yeah. Here's the thing: a lot of us, a lot of people may think that oh shit, the dark is this very heavy, depressive energy. The the dark for some people, for me actually was feeling the joy, feeling the happiness, feeling my power, feeling the courage. Because I grew up in environments where stress was very normal. So that became a normality for me to always have to struggle for things to always be hard. So that was normal. Anything outside of that was threatening to my system. So I want to be like very clear. It's also not, the heavy emotions are, ju- are just not like quote unquote, the, 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 
that's it that's all that's there it's also the other other side of it that could be the dark for people mm-hmm. um what was i gonna say i lost my train of thought you're talking about how heavy emotions aren't so heavy and that how you for you yeah you experienced right that the the shadow for you was actually feeling lighter emotions so okay no you asked why the system why is it the way it is okay so here's here's my point of view um we're spiritual beings having a human experience and in order to have a human experience, we we need these physical bodies. I think part of the curriculum and what we're here to do and how we're meant to experience that feeling is what actually helps us integrate it. Feeling is what actually like it's it almost like it completes it in our system. I could tell you right now, think about your breath. And you can come up with all the concepts that you want. You could think about, but if I tell you to just pause and take three deep breaths, Mm -hmm. you're going to feel what that's like. Now your body has a a, a sensory experience of what that's like. And it's, I would say it's integrated, if you will, because you felt it. I think feeling is a huge part of how we're able to know ourselves. It also, funny enough, Feeling is connected to our aliveness. Yeah. Right? If we technically and figuratively don't allow ourselves to feel, we're also... um, We're also repressing our aliveness. Yeah. And if you think of everything as waves, the hospital monitor, it's like, again, peaks and valleys. This is is life, right? Ebbs and flows. That is what makes, quote unquote, the whole thing, the universe, one song. Wholeness is all of it. So our aliveness is tied to our ability to be able to experience this emotional range, emotional intensity, but everything else in between that. Um, I think that's why it's a big part of how it was designed. I, I don't, yeah, 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 that's my... Going back to the us having a spiritual experience in the human body, a crazy quote from Jim Car- Jim Carrey of all people. He said, uh, "I used to think I was a man experiencing the universe. Then I realized I was the universe experiencing a man." Mm. Whenever I hear that, I'm just like, "Fuck, it's Bro, just, it's so true." You know what's interesting? I've, I was I was listening to a video from Paul Check, and I was pretty. It was pretty cool. He was saying that there's no way this soul can come to know itself unless we lowered the lowered our vibration down to becoming physical bodies you're saying god lowered itself because you know everything is vibrational so vibrates very fast it disappears becomes nothing vibrates slow the more dense it becomes so we're dense because we're operating at a very low vibration but said god slowed its vibration down right to human bodies so the soul can know itself there's no way the soul can come to know itself if if we didn't have these bodies or else there would be nothing to know because it already knows it yeah 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 you to me feeling you're someone who knows themselves pretty well very well what was the key Mm. element or turning point into you getting there like how can some because i feel like none of us really know ourselves i i also also to some degree i think we there is someone to know but there's also nothing to know 
Truth. It's like a, it's like, it's a balance. So Truth. how did you get to that point now? Um, what was the biggest <laughs> turning point? I mean, I think I have an under, I have an understanding, at least at this stage of my life. But the turning point was just being curious. So if anyone's listening, I would say the first thing is to play with loving curiosity. And it's the curiosity we all had as children. It's like the, to inquire and to want to explore and to want to get to know this world that you were just born into. We have this world internally as well. So for me, it was like, okay, uh, one of my favorite questions is why? <laughs> mm -hmm. That's it. It's like, why? Okay, this is happening. Why? This is happening. Why? So I began just being curious and then the curiosity led to awarenesses and realizations. And then awareness and realizations, I weave them into who, I'm, who I am. It's like, okay, I was unconscious and blind. Now it's illuminated and I can see. What am I doing with what I see? Let me integrate what I see. And it was just that cycle over and over and over again. And it just happened over time. Um, years ago, I would not be able to sit here and articulate myself and speak the way I'm speaking right now in a calm matter if I had not gotten to a place where while I'm speaking to you, I can also receive the energy you're, you're sharing with me while still filtering and running through, through my system and giving it back to you and create this space of like calm, mm -hmm. right? I would have been so worried and tied up and like, oh shit, like what does he think about me? Am I saying the right thing? Oh fuck, I shouldn't have said that. And not saying I don't do that right now. That's why priority for me is to make sure that like I take care of myself on all levels so I can be present. I, I realize it's not even the best version of myself anymore. It's the present version of myself. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it, it changes. Yeah. Right? If I'm so worried about oh, I need to be the best, the best, the best, and I'm denying my worst. Yeah. Yeah. There's the <clears throat> The core element of the Tao Te Ching, it's like it's a book on, on yep. what kind of philosophy. It's basically like you have to do everything from an energy of nothingness. Or like if you're actually just doing shit, it, it, it takes away from it. So I kind of realized that mm. before a podcast or I'm just getting started, I can get into the mind trap of, um, man, uh, this person may not like me or I may not get right. like, good enough videos or clips, whatever. Right. And then I start thinking about just show up, just be present, just be there. Like, right. you know what you, you do at this moment in time, you're, you're right. guided and right. it's a simple thought and people will be like thinking like you're crazy. It's not as simple as that. It is as simple as that. Well, it's oh, simple, oh, but yeah, what, what's also simple is not, what's also simple is simple not to do. So it's yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's tough just because um, we're so critical. We, we have, the, again, these ego critics, yeah, these, yeah. these snapshots of like, it has to go this way. And that thing is a big point of suffering for me and most, a lot of people is like, Having this expectation of everything going the way you think it should go. Yeah. And then trying to, to manipulate the situation to go there. And then you're not present. You get into all these things. Yeah. So how was it for you? Were you always able to accept whatever the situation comes with? Or was that work for you? Was that yeah. a hard thing for you? Or And how can you get to a place now? Or how mm. did you get to a place now where you're like, whatever it comes, I'll, I'll dance with. <laughs> I'll make magic with. Yeah. Uh, yes and no. Yes, because I was very good at. I was, I was very good at paying for the check without actually eating my food. What does that mean? So I was very good at jumping to the macro reason of why something happened. Again, intellectualizing and spiritualizing it right away. Like, yeah. let me conceptualize. Oh, I can see the bigger picture of why this happened. Yeah. And I actually didn't eat and digest the meal. I didn't actually, like, take in the experience. Yeah. 
So no, because now I've learned over time that I get to immerse myself in the experience. I get to uh, literally allow life to touch me, um, be it a very joyful, you know, experience or moment. Can I allow myself to be in it? Knowing that regardless of time or not, this that's the only time in time that it's ever going to be like that ever again. Yeah. A, a mentor of mine would always tell me, taste it. And I'd be like, man, what the fuck are you talking about? Right. Like, taste the experience. Please <laughs> just taste the experience. Like, what the fuck? Right. I was always in such autopilot. For me, I had this, uh, I don't talk about this much, but I had a, a, a DMT. I had a vision of my of my future. Mm. And I'm not going to say exactly what it was, but I was super successful in what I wanted to do. I felt I saw it. I was like, okay, I'm doing this. I know, mm. it, I know it's the case. And then I'll tell my mentor, why isn't it here? Why Why am I still in this grind? He's mm. like, because if you got it now, you wouldn't be able to taste it. Mm. You wouldn't be able to experience it yep. and, and be with it. Like yep. You're being conditioned, initiated to then actually like taste it when it comes. Yep. yep. So what you, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. Well, and back to why you, like back to the question of why you asked, like why is it that we need to feel? Why, we, why we, this is the reason why. When we can actually taste and digest it, then we we're assimilating the experience. Now it's a part of us. And, you know, I was good at skipping steps. I was good at, oh, okay, I see this. Let me jump to, let me jump to the end. And this is a process I use for myself and with other people is, okay, when something happens, can I source enough safety within myself to be present and trust to witness and welcome this moment as it is, then accept it so I can be grateful for it literally it's just down that line i can't be great how do you do that when it's going the exact opposite the way you want it to go uh as much as i can slowing down to breathe and can you always after that look back and be like i'm grateful that happened that way that it had to happen that way yeah and this is not easy like i'm i'm <laughs> i'm a realist here as well it's like when you're in it sometimes you don't even know you're in it yeah right so again this is this is the practice over time to I always say the biggest win is is catching yourself one second faster than you would have caught yourself if you didn't catch yourself before. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's that little win that helps build upon the next. So again, it's incremental progress over time. But for me, there's not much that's changed around the fact that I still experience challenges is now how I respond in it is a lot differently than I, I would have responded. Um, I don't react as much as I used to react to anymore. It's like, oh, this is interesting. All right, let me center. Let me regulate myself. Let me come back. Let me come back. And now let me be with it. I feel some of our most powerful decisions come from comes from a place of when we can accept reality. Because yeah. now we're not we're not oscillating. Yeah. My mantra, I always tell myself, how fast can I return to objective reality constantly? Yep. It sounds so simple, but it, it saved me from so much. The thing is, what I used to be, I've always been smart, but like in the sense of like yeah. detective of like, it's always been trauma responsive, right. but I've written over 80, 70 articles, thousands of words, wow. all these concepts. So I've understood it all intellectually. Well, that's a gift for you too. But at the same time, I was, I wasn't doing any of it all right. I, I got it. Uh, but then, but then once, Last year, I was presented with like a seriously traumatic, traumatic event. I saw my mom die in two weeks, just like just like that. So for me, in that moment, I had to apply. I had to be it. So for me, it was it was like if I don't do this, I'm fucked. So in that moment, it was hmm. and and what taught me was that like I had to accept it. Like that was the last thing 
I ever wanted to accept my whole life. And the only way I could turn yeah. away from it is once I accepted it. And once I felt the beauty of that, even though it was such a horrible situation, I, ha- I was like, this has to be my mantra. It has yeah, to man. be like a constant acceptance of things just not going your way, going your way. But it's, it's the only way through. Truly, it, it is to be, and this is how we're able to dance with how life unfolds instead of how the ego wants it to unfold, how we expect it to unfold, how we wish for it to unfold again. It's, that's its role. That's its job. But if we can catch ourselves, it's like, all right, I see what this wants me to do here. Why? Okay, cool. Maybe if I don't know why right now, can I just take a moment to accept this as it is? Now, that takes work, man. I can't imagine what it was like for you to have to deal with that. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure it didn't happen all at once. So I also want to share that this is not a one-time thing. This happens over time. Yeah. And there are many levels to it. There are many cycles to it. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm going to give you a break to digest all this amazing information. And in this break, please like, comment, and subscribe. Thank you. Going back to accepting objective reality, what I had to accept is that there's the truth of external reality, like accepting something you didn't want to happen mm. that happened, and then there's the internal reality mm. that even though you don't want it to be true, you still feel a certain way. Mm. And honoring that egoistic resistance, the sensation of it, is also part of it. In a way. I that's ac- that's actually beautiful. That's beautiful. I, I And I wholeheartedly agree with that because, yeah, something to be said about, let's say there is resistance to accepting reality or there's a resistance to accepting how things are um honoring that it's hard to accept is accepting it as well yeah and i think that's that's big so for instance hey can you can you accept this or can can you allow yourself to be with it no okay why it's challenging there's some resistance okay can you allow yourself to be okay with it being challenging because it's like Again, this ego that's a resistance machine, it's good at creating resistance after resistance after resistance, and then strategy about the strategy about the strategy. Mm-hmm. So to just keep creating until we like stop and say, you know something? Okay, it's tough. I get it. It's okay. Yeah, you sound now that you're good at not shaming yourself. Yeah. Was it always that way? Or no. How did you get out of it? Because for me, it's like I'm, for some of the people who are aware, right? You seem like an aware person. I'm, I'm aware to some degree, is that when you're very aware, it can be easy to shame yourself, right? Because you get so aware of the things you're mm-hmm. doing wrong that I see people, most people I see are depressed. I talk to friends. I'm not a coach, but I, I can yeah, do it yeah. in some ways. I, I talk to friends who are depressed and they're just very aware people who can't stop shaming themselves mm. in some way. That's why I noticed. So it's like, how did you have that transition toward your now? Yeah. Um, and the thing is, there's still elements of when I catch it when it wants to happen. Because mm-hmm. that story for me isn't completely like, it's not, comp- again, there are levels of it. So it's not that it goes away. I just catch it. And I love that you talked about the fact that you, you know, people, the more people are aware, it makes it easier for them to like, almost like shame themselves. So around like Francis parenting. Um, because <clears throat> I've, I've become aware about like my own experiences in my journey. Same thing with my wife. We're very like, we're, we're present with how we raise, you know, our daughter. And a lot of it wasn't, I mean, we still instill some of the values that we had growing up, but a lot of it isn't how we were brought up. So there'll be times where, you know, I catch myself um, sometimes 
it's like a knee-jerk internal reaction to how my daughter is. And immediately I'll ask the question, I'm like, where is this from? And most of the time it's, it has nothing to do with her. It's all about elements of my little boy that is still activated by the fact that she has freedom of range that I didn't really get to have. So it's, it's very interesting to reparent myself as I'm parenting my daughter. Um, but I've learned to, and I'm still learning to love myself as it's happening because again, there's years and years and years of conditioning that I'm still, even though quote unquote, I've, I've done a good amount of, you know, work on it. This it's still, there's still work to be done. I, I don't think I'm going to arrive. And here's the thing. Today isn't yesterday. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing. It's like, I'm also not going to be so attached to carry into today what I've done yesterday. So it's like, today's a brand new day. How can I show up um, knowing at least a bit more about myself? Because that's, life is going to keep lifing. And I think life is also going to keep imprinting us. Mm-hmm. Is can I learn how to be a better steward of that in myself? Yeah. Yeah. Does has having a kid made you more militant in the self-help process because you feel like the stakes are so much higher? Like if I don't fix this, my mm. kids getting it. Like how is, has that been pushing you to work on yourself more? How how has that affected your own yeah. self-healing journey? It's it's helped, but it has been militant. Okay. Um, because there's a dark side to all of this too. Yeah. There's a dark side that I feel like no one is really talking about. Which is? There's this addiction to always wanting to heal something. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I'd rather my daughter experience the truth of me than um, a dressed up lie. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it hasn't been militant. But I will say though, it's inspired more conscious choices. Um, it's inspired the type of steps that I take because anybody that has kids, you know, kids don't care about what you say. They watch what you do. And my daughter models it every single time. I can say one thing and then the next moment I'll see her literally doing what I did 15 minutes prior. So I realized my actions She's watching, but she isn't just watching my action. She's feeling my energy. Yeah. So that's what I had to get more present to. Is like, okay, what am I holding in me right now? What am I having? What am I? What am I carrying in me right now? Because it's not a matter of um, being a certain way. It's a matter of being open enough so my daughter can receive me. Yeah. So my daughter can feel safe around me. Yeah. That is what it's about. Children feel more. Right, because I feel like they're more connected to their wholeness than adults are, yeah. In most cases, but that's what I that's what I realized. It wasn't so much of just my actions or, you know, the values that we're creating and instilling, but it's also that plus feeling like making sure I'm in a state where she feels safe enough to be herself around me. Uh, because you know, my wife and I learned like when she'll tantrum. Only when she does is because she's like, oh, okay, I could do that here. They're not going to judge me for my tantrum. Or when she's expressing her joy, like like last night, for instance, <laughs> I was DJing and um, playing music at night right before she was going to bed. So she's like going crazy on the trampoline. And while I'm focused on this, 
She's literally jumping saying, Daddy, look at this. Daddy, look at this. Daddy, look at this. She just wants to be seen. Yeah. Now, let's say I didn't allow myself to work through my issues, my challenges, and I got irritated. Mm -hmm. And this is not to say that I, I still don't get irritated. I get irritated sometimes. Yeah. But I took that irritation out on her. Mm -hmm. It's not her fault. Yeah. That's my job. My job is to make sure I'm in a space to honor her. My job is to make sure I can learn how to communicate effectively to support her. Mm -hmm. So it hasn't made me militant. It just made me more present, I yeah, would say. Touching upon is the thing I've had to lear learn about because my... Through me, right, I think that one person, they call the black sheep, is the one who fixes all generational traumas. For me, it was me and my family. Nothing yeah. special, but that was the role I chose. That's yeah. like what I came in to do. And me being who I am, my family started to do their own healing journey. Mm. And my dad has had a hard time mm. accepting the shit he did to, to me and my family. And I always yeah. almost start crying when I talk to him because it's like, and you don't know how grateful I am that you were the way you were. Like, even the shit that I didn't like, like, I, I needed, needed that. that. Like I, I needed that fully or else I wouldn't yep. be good at what I do. I yep. wouldn't have the drive I did. If I didn't need your approval in many ways, I wouldn't have this drive. And yeah, now I've like healed it and, and, and shifted towards work and stuff. And I made a good reason to not ever project it to my personal life yep. or, or romantic life or friendship yep. life. But like, I love that I had that life so much. Yep. Even though it was ugly, it wasn't perfect sometimes. Yeah. My soul needed that. Same. It needed that experience. So I'm like, oh, man, I have no anger towards you because I, yep. I know I needed that experience. Yep. So speaking to that, you know, it's even though being aware, it's like tougher realizing that you're doing those things. But I do believe spiritually for some reason, like whoever's kid is called that experience into some degree. They called Absolutely. It, they called oh. in the shadow of their, their parents in some degree. So Yeah, she chose she chose us for a specific reason. And I, I've come to this. I've come to this realization that no matter, quote unquote, how great I think I'm doing. I may fuck it up. Mm -hmm. and that's okay yeah. right even though i'm not trying to fuck it up the thing is the very subtle things that i think probably didn't affect her probably did yeah which is like this is like we don't know yeah we have no idea the thing that's going to be the 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 tip of the first domino you know so it's like well i'm also not going to hang up everything on that because yeah. that's also going to suck the life out of you know, the way that my daughter can experience me and who I can be for my family. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very present to the fact that I don't, I do my best not to be so addicted to this stuff because at the end of the day, what I've come to realize healing is, is just the returning to wholeness. Yeah, That's it. Legit. <laughs> it's, I like to say I came into, I came into life because of my experiences, I took this long, unplanned, unconscious vacation. Mm -hmm. And now the last few years has been learning how to come back home. Yeah. It's all. Yeah. How have you gone up? Because I struggle with this. Or now I'm finding a place where I realize what I can do with it is being in this like self-help space that for me, the beginning of it, yeah, I developed a persona where I was like, I didn't leave my house. I was meditating all the time. I was taking psychedelics all the time. Mm -hmm. I was trying to be this like, healing guru person i realized that like man i'm just we're all just as fucked up with each other in, in, in some way and, and now i realize that i'm more so a human than i am any of any Truth. of this shit so it's like how did you did you have how was your journey with that like being in the space being a coach and also okay. and being a breath work a helper of people what was the journey like of you being like i'm doing all this stuff but i'm also mm -hmm. a human being because i think of even talking to people a lot of people whether they're unconscious to or not struggle with that struggle with accepting that they're just as human as, as all of us they're going through the same shit yep 
Uh, this is the shadow part of that I was that I was talking to, so I was talking about. So luckily for me, I got the hit on the shoulder when I was 17 years young to like, okay, there's some things, there's some questions that need answering here. Big questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Um, led me to starting to read some books, like I mentioned and stuff. So I became very interested in my personal growth journey at a very young age. Um, what also helped me was, you know, working on my health physically. So you work on your health, that it open up the door to your mindset. You just do those two things, you'll have a pretty different experience of your life. But I know it, I noticed <clears throat> the very egotistical side to that, the shadow side to that, because it wasn't what I did, it was the place that I did it from. Mm -hmm. So, and not fully, because I, I also don't want to kind of like wrong myself from, but I can see the shadow side of it. So my direction in moving <clears throat> to my personal growth journey, I realized was a reaction of how I felt about myself. So, oh, let me go, let me go add and find myself in this position that could make me more superior because I feel so low. Yeah. The polar opposite. So how that started to play out was un unconsciously, in some ways consciously, I, I would think that I was better than people. <clears throat> yeah. Now, the other side of that was, was good. Like I noticed how certain things weren't good for me anymore. Yeah. Right. So there was that. But I also saw me thinking that I knew what was best for people. I remember going on debates, trying to prove my point, trying to <laughs> prove people wrong and all this stuff. And there was this time where I realized I was doing it so much and I, I wasn't getting through to anybody. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was a realization or I just had a haha moment. And I was like, who are you to think that you know what's best for people? Like, who are you to actually think that you know what's best for people? So I... I stopped that and I realized that, okay, you know something? People get to choose what works for them. Yeah. I remember, because I, I believe that there's this culture of cutting people off. I've never had to cut anybody off. You know, this is not to say I tolerate BS, but I've never had to cut anybody off because I know simultaneously when I shift my energy when I change cellularly, everything else has to change. So I didn't really have to choose to cut somebody off. I just moved in a different direction. Yeah. So my old friends, I'm still in contact with all of them, but we don't do the same things, yeah. right? At one point, I I can say, yeah, I can actually look back and I looked down because I was in this position of learning. It's all, it's all bullshit, yeah. right? So when I, I'm like, no. They're just doing what works for them and that's okay. And the more I practiced that, the more I just, I minded my own business, yeah. <laughs> right? Hearted my own business. I felt like the more like freedom and peace I, I experienced. Um, and you asked the question about the humanity. Like literally when I began to address a lot of what I repress in myself, that's what, there's no other way to feel that you're human, but to feel the colors and different facets and facets of your humanity. Yeah. And when I when I did that, for me, I love being human. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, I think there's so much, I think the denial of reality and denial of our humanity is why people look down on humanity so mm -hmm. much. Because it's too much. Being human actually, actually requires you being reconnected and reassociated with your body, which comes with 
having to deal with some of this heavy stuff, yeah. which is a lot for people. So we'd rather stay away yeah. and hold this high position yeah. thinking that this is where I need to be. Yeah, I completely agree. I, when I, I used to be super judgmental of yeah. people drinking or doing drugs or eating too much or stuff like that or eating, you know, fast food and shit, yeah. all that kind of stuff. And I, I eventually realized that we're just protecting ourselves from feeling what we don't want to feel on every level. Yeah. Like for me, I look at like, okay, their fast food, their alcohol is, is my ice bath, it's my meditation. Uh, to some level, if I'm doing a try meditation and get an ice bath, I don't want to feel something. I'm chasing something that some high straight up. Yeah, so it's like for me, I, I look at it that way. It's like it's the same shit. Like people, so I don't. I'm, I'm sober, and, and people will be like, I'm young. I hang out young people a bit, yep. and they're like, How do you do this shit, man? You judge me? It's like no, like I, I bro, for I real. Think I'm just as crazy as you. I'm, yeah. I'm getting an ice bath at six a.m. I'm going on long runs, working out all day. Like I'm just as crazy as you in my own way. That but it's a different. I see it as a habit that's not healthy, but better for me in my own experience. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's for me, it's just figuring out what, what worked for me. And <laughs> unapologetic self-acceptance. This is another thing that helped me embrace my humanity. Um, I'm not saying I'm, I'm exempt from judgment. It slips in here every now and then. But I'm so big on letting people live their life because mm -hmm. they, nobody knows what's best for us but us. Yeah. And how I was able to do that was, can I see what quote-unquote, is triggering. Can I see that in me? Mm -hmm. And this is, again, this is the ability to be able to be with the range. When I saw that I was judgmental, when someone judges, I can accept them because that that's me. I can do that. When I see someone being an asshole, yeah, if I call them forward on it and I, you know, with love, like, check them like, hey, but am I going to make it mean more than what it is? No, because I have the capacity to be an asshole too. Yeah. If I see someone experiencing joy, can I love them? And absolutely. Why? Because I have the capacity to do that. This is back to the conversation. When we can accept our humanity and all that comes with it, I think there's big there's bridges to be built in actually seeing how much more we're alike. Yeah. And I think is the the reason. Deny over reality, which causes separation. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things for me why I think shadow work is so important. Yep. Is it more so, it is a lot to do with the self, but it's also for me for humanity, right? Yes. Like, the more I, I realize my capacity for evil, mm -hmm. genuinely, like, like, as dark as it gets, mm -hmm. I can have compassion for anything. I can look at the most depraved criminal. I can look at them and be like, that could have been me in some way if I had took the wrong path. So it's, in terms of cultivating that compassion, it's, it's really important that we look deep inside ourselves to see how we have the capacity to do anything, whether it be that anything. super overweight, overweight person, a killer, you know, someone who's judging all the time, someone who loves drugs. Like we all could have gone there in some, in some capacity if we took one wrong turn. I, and I think that's what people are afraid of. They're afraid to actually see they're capable of all of it. Yeah. It doesn't mean you're going to do it. Yeah. Right. Just because you're capable doesn't mean you are going to or have to do it. But to know that you have the capacity for it is what creates this this connection, if you will, yeah. this, this harmony yeah. back with yourself. And that's, that's what I see. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, shit, I could have done that. Yeah. If only everyone right now could do that. It's, it's, it would solve a lot of, it takes time, a lot of stuff. But what do you think is the main impetus to like us not wanting to feel it, like feel or recognize that in ourselves? Like, why is it so hard for humans to be like, fuck, that, that could have been me. 
Like, why, is it, why is it so tough for us? That requires giving up an identity that we're holding. Yeah. It's, we, we, we have this sense of self that we're holding. Most of us don't even know that. It's all unconscious. Like, we don't even know yeah, that. I have no holding. idea. Yeah. They have this sense of, that's why change is very difficult for people. Yeah. Because change requires legit deconstructing this sense of self that they, that they thought they were this whole entire time and reconstruct something else. Yeah. Um, and that, it takes energy. It takes, it takes breaking some sort of familiarity, which in a sense to the system is breaking some sort of safety. It requires leaning into the unknown and unfamiliar, which is scary for a lot of us. Um, but I, I think that's why. And, you know, our systems are primed for survival, but they're also primed for energy e efficiency. So it's more energy efficient for someone to not deal with something than it is to deal with something until... Is it though? You know, because it, it, you know... That's you what... Say it as it like fucking adds up. At, until it stacks up to where, you know, the pain of... Um, change the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change yeah so it's like that some for me i'm i'm an advocate by that's why i like to do things by choice like let me lean in and i like to also believe that life is always inviting us into experience moments relationships however how, however the, the dynamic plays out but it's always inviting us to know ourselves deeper yeah like everything so you know I think the identity that people that people is holding eventually, if they don't choose to be with it by choice, they're going to invite enough experiences that's going to force them to do it, yeah. either by an illness, either by an accident, but something that needs to grab the attention because at the point that they're at, the body cannot afford to keep going the way it's going. Because it's the more we're holding it in, contra uh, in contraction, it's also breaking us down. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's what... I, I try to be very aware of, which is scary in a way of being like, once I catch a, a shadow piece of me, a part of me that's doing something that isn't serving me anymore, I know that like, okay, you have to get, not have to, but you should get ahead of this now because yeah. it's going to keep happening until you're broken one day, until you're having a serious health issue or you right. get into another fucked up relationship <clears throat> or you make another poor friendship or, you know, your nervous system too jacked up or something that yep. you get sick. Like, for me, yep. it's always I get sick, and then I'm like, I get sick, and I'm like, oh, fuck, I had to realize wow. that. But it's, yeah, so I completely agree that we, we really have to start getting ahead of these things soon. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's tough, though. How do you, in that moment of catching, because we're always, no matter where you're on the path, you're going to catch someone's conscious tendency. Mm -hmm. okay, let's see, let's go back, let's maybe unpack your process. You're in the car, you realize... Oh shit! I have this thing I'm doing that isn't mm. serving me anymore. Mm. Give me like a like a week, two week, or what's the process in actually, <clears throat> yeah, integrating that and then living free from that, or just catching a new awareness, yeah, serve you and then moving to freedom. So what's that process like for you? Again, it's it's, it's presence. Presence is my biggest thing, because what does that mean in an in instance like about just being? Yeah. So before even jumping to a solution, is like, mm. can I fully like taste it? Can I taste that? Holy shit! This this thing, this thing has evaded me, or if I've evaded it for a long time, it's been dark, and then it just popped up into the light. So it's like, because if I'm not present with it, if I don't allow myself to be with it, then what happens is, it can run away. It can go right back into the dark. Yeah. Because I'm trying to do something with it. So it's oh okay, that's 
that's interesting, curiosity about it. And then for me is, I think even in, and what I've learned, even in honoring it, there's not really much I have to do with it because all it wanted to do was come up and out, mm -hmm. right? Now I can see probably how it's affected me and then make a different choice outside of that, right? But can I give it the space so I can honor it in the moment, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. How does that, when it comes back, you know, because that always happens, right? Mm -hmm. You catch something, you know, oh yeah, I got it. No problem. And then a couple of days later or a week later, or even the shift from a year ago, mm. you ever had that where like you, you thought you healed something like, two years ago and then it comes back, smacks you in the face, like, fuck, I have to do this shit again. Yeah. Um, how do you avoid the frustration? Like, how do you, when that, re when, let's say, whether it's a new awareness or old awareness, when that comes back, yeah. you know, oh man, I thought. I don't try to avoid the frustration. Yeah. That's, I think that's another thing is like, I, as much as possible, man, it's like, not saying that I don't try to avoid the frustration, but I actually don't try to avoid the frustration because it could be in the heat of the moment. Things can pop up in an instance where I'm just having a shitty day. Yeah. And because I'm having a shitty day, I'm not in the place to, even have the resources to be with it. So I may completely like express in frustration, but even in that, can I accept that I'm frustrated? Yeah. Sure. It's, it's all about, it's all about just honoring the humanity in it. I think that's for me, that's, that's the mo one of the realest ways. And, and if it comes back, it's like, okay, fuck man. Uh, yeah. I'm frustrated about this. And then after that dies off, all right. What is it about this that I that I either avoided or missed? And as much as possible, I, I do my best to not be a hunter of it, but is 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 to continue like living my life, doing my work, but also implementing aspects of how that very lesson or not learning of the lesson could be affecting my life. Yeah. And it's like, how can I choose like what choice can I make that's different? that can actually support the integration of this lesson. I think that's... You're making yeah. a good point that when you put yourself in a box of um, shadow aggression or I have this thing, and you believe it and you think about it, then it's going to manifest all the time. It's going to keep coming up. So the beauty of being present maybe is also more so that you're not having these rigid attachments to part of yourselves or identity that then manifest into your reality all the time. It's truth. That you're not... Now bringing on the bullshit that you're trying to let go of, you know, and I think a lot of us when we're doing shadow work and we attach ourselves to, to labels or things or I have trauma X and all this stuff all the time and we're always look, <laughs> looking for it, we just manifest all the time to some degree. I mean, again, it's... That's why I've never been a big fan of a label and this could be... It's interesting. Um, or names, because I, I never really liked being in boxes. And even saying that, I could realize that's even a box in itself, mm -hmm. right? Again, but it's it's needed because we need an identity, right? Yeah. We need one, so it's easier for people to have a name to it. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as we're not attached to it. Um, yeah, man. So, and you know, sometimes it's like okay, being present. We've been talking about that for the longest, but I think it's ultimately like like truly being alive. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's what it is and and that's the 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 juxtaposition that feels 
like scary at times or that can sometimes elicit resistance a lot of times is the need to control the outcome. Yeah, I have, I'm trying to integrate this now as I realize that to be at peace, you have to make the unknown your comfort zone. And it sounds, let me explain that a bit. We're always in the unknown, if we truly think about it. Like when you're the, present, you're in the unknown. Yeah, completely. Whether it's like, yep. we all have like 15, 20 emails, texts that aren't getting answered right now. You know, need, you have a partner who's not meeting your needs in some way. Like yep. we're always stuck always. in the perpetual unknown. How, it's for me right now, it's almost impossible. Like, I, I built an identity of always being in control. And always, I used to manipulate people in many ways to get what I wanted. I did too. Yeah, now I'm in a space where it's like, no. Past we years, all do, by the way. Yeah, the past there's, years. There's, a, there's, a, there's an ounce of manipulation. Yeah. Well, let me not say all. In the shadow expression of it. Yeah. But there's an ounce of manipulation. We actually, let me not generalize it. But there's an ounce of manipulation when it comes to like creating safety and preserving our life. Yeah. We got to manipulate some way, shape, or form in order to... Yeah. You know, ground ourselves. So there is, yeah. yeah. How yeah, did yeah. you go about making that unknown your comfort zone? Where, you know, yeah, I'm assuming you have a lot of responsibility. You have a family. You work yeah, hard. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. How do you keep your peace amidst all that? All the things that could go wrong. All the unknown. Because I think we, we your metaphor before of like having a flowing river. How can we keep a flowing river if we don't even know where it's supposed to go in some way? Trust. For me, it's it's um, <laughs> personally, it's my relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that look like for you on a day-to-day basis? And how does it help you and everything? Yeah, man. Um, without getting too like attached to it, is some some sort of connection through prayer, meditation, or stillness. Um, but I also think, you know, God doesn't just speak in those moments. God speaks in all moments. God's everywhere. God's in everything. So it's my ability to be present and aware and knowing that as many as many times as possible is that, you know, I am not alone in this, that there is actually a bigger game at hand Mm -hmm. that my ego wants to convince me that I'm the one that's running. Mm -hmm. Um, And all that I can truly actually control is everything that's within my scope of control, which is my thoughts, um, my emotions, or how I choose to feel my emotions, my feelings, my habits and behaviors. And everything else is none of my business. So I was learning how to drive my car in a very unpredictable world and you know and that's that's the biggest thing is like i don't i try my best not to worry about anybody else's steering wheel Mm -hmm. and if i can just focus on mine then i know that how i show up is going to spill over into my relate all of my relations Um, but my relationship with god man and and it's ultimately is trust because to be honest everything i shared today yeah that's a lived experience but there's a lot of shit that I don't know. Yeah, I think what you referred to for me in hearing you is that presence is actually the largest form of prayer. <sighs> in some way, right? Because it, it's a full trust and surrender of, of God in many ways. And that if you're not if you're not present, in some way you're resisting God. Yeah. Which is tough to think about, but it's it's true. Like yeah. whenever I'm I'm in that space of my nervous system jacked up, I'm anxious. My ego is like fully ramped up, being like mm-hmm. I have no trust in anything that's happening outside of you. Yeah. That I want, I want to get control. So, you know, maybe you're, you maybe no, maybe you are in a constant state of prayer through your presence. I mean, and 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 I'm not always there, but yeah. as much as I can, I return to that. <clears throat> and it's not, it's not easy. Um, again, you have an ego. It's, it's funny. As soon as you said that, is I mean, I'm not sure if you ever heard um, what are they called, enneagrams or something like that. 
ego is edging God out. Mm -hmm. So the ego, because it's always denying reality, is denying the present. If you're denying the present, you're denying God because God is in everything at all times. Yeah. In all times. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I realized that I I used to, my religious journey was, I used to always feel like there's something there. Um, I grew up, I grew up, my family was was more so atheist. My mom mm. was spiritual, but not much God. And then I started having these experiences where out of nowhere, no drugs or anything, I'd feel, yeah. I'd feel like the vibration of love in everything. Mm. I look at a, a whiteboard or a stop sign. It sounds so stupid, but it, it, I'd, I'd it's look not, at it. It's not. I feel like I feel like this something in it is alive. There's something, some loving hmm. vibration to like everything here at the same time. And then that's when I started realizing, mm. oh shit, there's this is mm. goes way beyond that. But it, it for me, it's like getting to a place where my heart's open. I can surrender to the present moment. Yep. I can be here. But for me, it's tough. I'm, I'm trying and starting to get there. So it's yeah, it's great that you're. I'm doing. Yeah. I'm doing my best, man. Um, what has also helped is, uh, as much as possible, getting out in nature, getting outside, mm -hmm. getting with the elements. I mean, it's it's what God yeah. created. So it's like there's a there's a purpose for them. And every time I'm, every time I notice that I get more activated, I experience more anxiousness when I'm when I'm like in the house too much and too long. Yeah, for sure. I'm like in this box that I'm not supposed to be in. So the moment I just allow myself to get outside. Yeah. How. To wrap it up here, yeah. this is like a good place to land. This is where most people struggle with is that how can you have faith when everything you want to happen is not happening? Right? Because when you ask any atheist, I'm not trying to convert anyone. It's not my yeah, business. Yeah, yeah. When, I, when you ask most atheists being, like, who, who deny God, which is perfectly fine. They, well, I don't think they deny God. They just don't believe in God. But they, be, they, believe, in not, they believe in not the belief of God. Yeah. So they believe in something. It's an identity. Of, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of I mean, more yeah. so whenever I, I talk to them, and yeah. they, they'll be like, how can I believe this if, you know, all these terrible things happen or nothing yeah. I want my ways to happening. In in those moments where, I don't know if we're still there, where I think as life goes on, we actually end up getting more, more we want, the more we surrender. But when you're in spaces of like, nothing's going your fucking way, mm -hmm. right? Your missus is pissed at you. Kids are mad at you. Mm -hmm. You're not making enough money at work. Like when everything is fucking going <laughs> wrong, how can you have faith in that moment? Mm hmm. Hmm. Oh, so good that this is coming up for me now. So there's a difference between blind faith and faith with a vision. I think the faith that a lot of people know and, you know, I've been brought up on is blind faith. I'm going to believe in something that I don't see or don't know. I'm going to believe in what someone tells me. Tell me to have faith, I'm gonna have faith. But, and that could be dangerous. Now faith with vision, that's a different story because it depends on the long game and what you see for what you wanna create. Mm -hmm. right? So if you know that, okay, at some point, this is the vision I have for my life, mm -hmm. And you know that as long as you're taking the necessary aligned action to order those steps, this is where the trick is, is can I release attachment to my way of how the outcome needs to go? That is what I've learned in my experience is that everything that I've ever envisioned for my life and what I wanted to create, it's been way better than I can even draw it up. And the times where shit's hitting the fan, and that's because I've gotten too caught up in it being my way. 
Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, it has to be my way. So there's an expectation that I have. And expectation always breeds disappointment. Always. So I've just learned to, as much as I can, because I'm still working on this, can I pull back some more and just literally, like, while I'm taking action, I can be assertive in my work and the action that I take while surrendering at the same time. Yeah. It's like, I'm in my car, but I'm not in control of what's on the road. Yeah. But let me steer, right, and just follow the direction that's being shown to me. Yeah. So that it, it takes... It's a dance. It's not one or the other. I think it's a very and game. There's a lot of gray area here. So when shit's hitting the fan, again, can I get myself to a place where, okay, I'm accepting that shit isn't working my way. Can I be with it? I had a, um, there was a, there was a friend who we were chatting and, you know, took them through a process. And he mentioned he had just moved to a new state, starting this new career. And he caught him he caught himself in so like so much like fight, like fighting against the current. Like, I gotta make this happen. I gotta make this happen. I gotta make this happen. Like, man, like and the more he was doing that, he was getting tired. And the, the conversation started because he was like, dude, I'm just tired and I'm frustrated. And we got to a place where we realized he was resisting and was so afraid of actually being broken down. Mm-hmm. He was afraid of accepting that this shit is hard. Yeah. He was afraid of accepting like, bro, like, I don't know if I could do this. Mm-hmm. And the moment he learned to just honor that, you know something? All right. He just literally threw his hands up. Break me down. This is fucking hard. That's when he had enough energy and I feel enough willingness to actually ask for support. When shit is fucking going crazy in my life, it's also a sign or a test for me, or not a test, an opportunity for me to see if I can lean into support because I'm trying to do it my way. And it's like spiritual support. Spiritual support or legit. Asking a friend or something. Like for real support. That takes balls takes courage to be able to accept that, you know something, shit's fucking hard right now, but I don't have to do it myself. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hear you. For me, thank you for all that. For me, it's also... Yeah. What I see in my experience is that all the trials I went through initiated me to where I'm at now. Absolutely. I think that... I think society for men were also missing a lot of, like, initiation experience. Oh, my gosh. And for me, it was like, I think that God of the universe is a good way to forcing men... Could have been in some way to go through that. For yeah. me, it's like all those times I was like, fuck, why the fuck is this happening? Yep. I look back and be like, yeah, I had to be initiated. Yeah. I, I, I had to go. <clears throat> the, the problem I made is that I got cocky where I was like, I don't need support. Like, I, I, can, I, can, I can fight this myself, you know? That's where I think a balance is needed, where you can be like, this initiation is occurring for a larger purpose. Yes. However, I don't have to become, you know, miserable and, and a victim. Right. I could use it. I could take that in my steering wheel. Okay, I can, I can take this moment to either harden up and be miserable right. or I can use the beauty of friendship and relationships to be vulnerable. Yes. And have support. And that, that way you're, you're getting a better road. You're, getting, you're navigating it better. And for me, I like to say there's a difference between support and help. Sometimes I think there's an aversion to asking for support yeah. because people think it's asking for help and people think help is like, like incapable. Yeah. Right. And I think there could be the same thing, but I like to just give this this distinction. 
support is calling in maybe a different perspective. Support is calling in a breath of fresh air. Support is taking the load off of your shoulder for just a minute so you can collect yourself. That doesn't mean that they're going to do it for you. You still have to do it. You still have to go through the initiation. Yeah. You still got to go through it. But that doesn't mean you have to do it by yourself. And you mentioned a very important point. There's, I feel there's a, there's, there's a lack of manhood because that's masculinity is a word that's just fucking thrown around too much nowadays. <laughs> but there's a lack of manhood because as a Western culture, we haven't had the culture. Like I grew up hearing about it because I'm, I'm Nigerian. So we, I grew up hearing about it from, you know, from my, from my past. But there isn't a culture of, and it's happening now, but there wasn't a culture of counsel with elders and other men to transition a boy who's experiencing within himself this shedding, this shedding that is being expressed as sometimes maybe depression, hmm. this need to not be around anymore because he wants to come out of his skin. It's like, ah, I don't like this anymore. Yeah. Normally in other cultures, they know that's the time that we get to create a bridge where the boy transitions to being a man. You know what I mean? But we haven't had that. So I agree, but there were controlled environments that built challenges for, for boys yeah. to transition to men. Because as men, how we also grow, how we also connect with ourselves is through overcoming challenge. We need challenges, men. For sure. We need challenge. But if we're not, again, if we're not aware of our ability or if we're not even affirmed, I think that's another thing that's missing. It's like, that's why the father is so important, especially to the son. Because when the son is moving through a lot of what's happening within him, puberty, right? Um, he's changing, right? The testosterone that's flooding his system is like, he needs something to bump up against. And that that presence is also reaffirming in him his ability to really be with, with what's happening. Yeah. But if you have not been able to connect with this part of you, this, this fucking power in you, you wouldn't know how to be with a challenge because you weren't, you weren't shown, you weren't modeled to. Yeah. So I had to learn on my own. Same here. I had to learn on my own until, you know, thank goodness. Um, I, I had a group of solid men around me that mentored me in a way. And, I remember having, I looked for myself in a lot of other people. I literally was putting together puzzle pieces. Of like, oh, I'll take this, I'll take this, I'll take this and make it me. That shit never worked because yeah. it wasn't me. So, um, yeah, man, I, I agree. But sometimes it sucks when you're in the middle of it because the last thing you want to do, especially if you don't know, is to is to know that you're being, you don't know that you're being initiated. Yeah. You can only see that after the fact. But For sure, yeah, I didn't become a man until my mom died. Like, I didn't. Wow. Like, no fuck, I was a boy. And then going through that and having to carry my family through that and then mm. being like the, not that I, I made sure not to fix them, but that experience turned me into a man. Like, I, I wouldn't be a man if I, I was a been a boy. So it's like, that was my initiation in some way. And, yeah. and although, of course, I didn't, I wouldn't want to not, not make that happen, but at the same time, right. it's like, yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't be a man if and it happened just 
before all my career stuff happened. So it was like, I, I had to experience that uh, for me to mm. be initiated. So I completely agree. And in that time, it was also, it was tough to zoom out and, and see, but now zoom being in the zoom, that position now being like, yeah, not that. Yeah, I had to have that experience. But um, you you can't zoom out until you're actually in it, right? Yeah. And you've completed you've completed like the the cycle of being in it. Which again, we don't know when, we don't know how. It's can I dance? Yeah. Can I surf? It sounds fucked up, but I would tell myself, you know, at the beginning of my career when I was for two years like writing nonstop, get no no clicks and nothing, any challenging time. It sounds counterintuitive. I would I wish I could tell my younger self. I know it sucks, just enjoy it. Like, just be with it. Like, just truly fucking experience it. Even though it sucks, just like, I wish I could tell my younger self, just, just, just be with it, just enjoy it. And there's going to be an older version of you yeah. telling you the same thing right now. Because as much as we, we say we enjoy it, there are moments where it's like, we forget. Yeah. Forget. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you very much for, Absolutely, for man. coming on the show. I, I appreciate it. This was a fun very conversation much. for sure, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you. It was good. Thank you.